Okay, buckle up. Yes, it's time for WVU Marketing Communications today. Live from West Virginia University. It's the only syndicated show that sits squarely at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and modern marketing practices. But today, well, they're going to lean a little bit out of the uh, science and a little bit into the art with your friend, Michael Lynch. Welcome, Michael. Thank you very much. And actually, we're very excited today to have a multi-talented co-host with me, Courtney Hughes. Courtney is with Dell Computers, and she is a West Virginia native. She actually is from Beckley, West Virginia. Wonderful experience in Beckley, West Virginia, quite a number of years ago. And not going to bore you with the details, but it is an example of hospitality and comfort and taking care of your customer that I still use to this day. Courtney has given us a very intriguing title for our presentation today. I said what I said, the art of internal and executive communication. So, Courtney, just what do you mean by I said what I said? Hey, well, thank you, guys. I am so, so excited to be joining you today. So I'm not sure if any of you guys know Nene Leakes from The Real Housewives. I mean, now, I don't technically watch the show, but I've seen it all over the Internet, all the GIFs um, on Twitter, and it absolutely cracked me up. It basically is say what you mean and mean what you say. Like, I said what I just said. Like, there should be no interpretation, not leaving anything up for water cooler, but I like to call it the kiki. Like, outside of work, um, if you read an email that isn't really quite clear, the kiki starts of, well, what does this mean? And that means that your communication wasn't clear. That actually sounds like a very interesting way of looking at things. I know that's something that I stress with my students at uh, West Virginia University is clear communication. I recently left a company where a kind of a, a hallmark um, or a mm-hmm. benchmark for communication and behavior was to be direct, to say what you have to say, to just say what it is and not try to gloss things over, not try to put a nice little layer of frosting on it, but go ahead and just be honest and say what you have to say. I know internal communication really is so incredibly important. Letting your employees know what's going on, letting all levels of employees know what is happening in the organization. But exactly what is the difference between internal communication and executive communication? You would absolutely be surprised that a lot of people don't know that. (laughs) They think there's a little bit of similarity, but they're different as well. Internal communications has a much broader purpose, like you discussed. It includes messaging intended to boost morale, to build rapport, to talk about overall strategy and messaging for the company as a whole for internal communications. But executive communications, it is a part of internal communications, but it has a more narrow scope. Internally, executive communications is about bringing that executive organization together around the strategy, the vision, the objective, what we're marching towards, and it informs their organization, just that one organization, about any big news, campaigns, initiatives, launches. Executive communications also has an external component to it, too where it's designed to build the reputation of that executive or if they're selling products, if it's influencing media, 
or offering like innovative thinking. You see a lot of thought leadership platforms, and that's the external part of executive communications. Great. Now, when we're talking about executive communication, are we talking about communication that is really created and started by the executive? Or are we really talking about something that might be created by the public relations arm of the organization or a little bit of both? It's actually a little bit of both. The executive communications has the two components, internal and external. And you absolutely work with your PR arm on external as well. But as far as like messaging and framework, if that executive has a dedicated communications person like I do, I have a hand in building the messaging, whether it's internal, whether it's external, whether it's at an analyst conference or they're speaking with a customer meeting, that executive communications, actually their hands are in both. Now, not at Dell, because I know Dell does this just absolutely wonderfully, but honestly, just between you and me, between (laughs) one and 10, one not being so great and 10 being perfect, how would you rate executive communication today, particularly that generated by the executives? Overall, as an industry, I would... Ooh, is what came to my mind, too, but I wanted to get your opinion on this. Yeah, o- overall as an industry, I think we have a lot of work to do overall as an industry for executive communications as a whole, us as communicators, as well as the organizations and companies that we work for. Do you think there might have been a breakdown, let's say, over the last 30 years or so? I know it's something that I talk about periodically is the fact that executives today don't have those wonderful things they had 20, 30 years ago, things called secretaries, people that existed as a buffer between what came out of the executive's mouth and what was really put out in front of the public or maybe even put out in front of the employees. Do you see sometimes that executives get a little bit, "Eh, I'm going to use the word tone deaf in their communication and sometimes (laughs) don't really understand the day-in, day-out realities of many of their employees and subsequently also maybe some of their customers. I absolutely can agree with that. If there's not, like you said, we call them admins. You have an executive assistant, an admin. You don't have a chief of staff or you don't have a dedicated comms person. It is really, really easy to come across as tone deaf in your communications. And you were completely right. It boils down to it's a lack of understanding. And how they can come across as tone deaf is by their lack of understanding of, A, their audience is a huge one, and their geo, if they're communicating with people in another geography, sometimes things just don't translate very well. (laughs) And if there's no one there guiding you and giving you that advice on that, you can absolutely fall into that trap of making a mistake. Or another big one I don't ever see this at Dell, but I have absolutely seen it, is communicating in all caps, bolding a whole bunch of things, really thinking that that's going to drive a certain behavior, and it it really doesn't, and not being thoughtful in the communications, not really thinking about the people on the other side reading it, or if it's a town hall or a brown bag, your audience listening to it, or if you're out talking to the media, like how it can be perceived. Um, Not having that knowledge there, I absolutely see tons of people falling into that trap of tone deaf. Again, very often hear things come out of executives' mouths that just 
don't seem Blow to again away. take into consideration <laughs> their audience yeah. and don't take into consideration who what their really end of day motivation really is. An expression I've heard before, and I really kind of want to get your take on this, is an expression of, so what, who cares? Yes, and I love it. We learned about it in journalism school. For, for us, this is like journalism 101. This is 100% about your audience. What you're saying, why is it important? Why does it matter? What's interesting or different about it? Can you put it in context that makes it easier for people to understand? Will it make someone laugh? Will it make them cry? Will you like, are you able to connect with them? What are they supposed to do because of what you just said? As well as, is it even relevant to the person on the receiving end for them? Really, really big on it. It has to meet that at a number one for any communication. Well, okay, well, so what? Who cares? Why does this matter? Why should the person reading this care? Why should this journalist care about what it is we're saying? You have to answer that question. Or in my opinion, it just doesn't work. I think it is important to, again, take the reader's feelings and background and interest into consideration whenever you're doing any kind mm -hmm. of form of communication. But sometimes, again, that can get a little bit lost when it comes to executive communication or some forms of internal communication. Yes. One of the things is. that I very frequently run into when I'm consulting or when I'm talking to an organization is their overuse of things like jargon and um, abbreviations and things yeah. like that. What are your feelings about the importance of having an internal language and can sometimes that be confusing to both the people inside the organization and outside the organization? I personally, I don't like jargon. I understand it's, it's a small group of executives. It's common shorthand for them. You have a group of engineers together. I can understand it in a meeting with them, but in broader executive and internal communications, it can absolutely be lost. For example, you take any company that has gone through a merger or an acquisition that might have the same acronyms, but they mean two totally different things for both sides. Got it. You knew what your intent was, but right. it was received completely differently. On the, and they're like, well, what does this mean? We talked in J school a lot about KISS, you know, keep it simple. Right. That's what we used to say. And that is very, very true. And even internal and executive communication, if there is any question on, should I use this technical term? Is there a better way for me to say this that is easily understandable? You should absolutely go that route. No, I agree. I think being direct, being simple, being straightforward really is the best, the best thing. But one of the things, and again, I'm going to sound like the old man that I am here, um, <laughs> is the way that we are communicating today, which seems to be more in written communication and in possibly short brief statements, brief sentences, social media language kind of, you know, mixed in. What do you think ultimately is going to be the consequences of the fact that so much of our communication now is written and sometimes the meaning gets lost compared to oral communication? I think there has to be a nice mix. I'm a firm believer in putting together any communication. It shouldn't be written for just one forum you should be using three to four vehicles for each piece of communication. And so you bridge in that oral part of it, whether it's fireside chats or even if you just have office hours <laughs> is a big one that can help you connect outside of just the written form of communication. 
with how social media is, it's just going to continue to grow. Our communication on those channels, companies now, and it's so crazy because it's like, I'm not that old. But I remember (laughs) when social media was like, well, it was just Facebook when I was in college. And now we get our news first from social media platforms, which has caused companies to have to reevaluate a, how we communicate, and B, the vehicles that we use to communicate. And you now have social media strategists at companies that didn't even exist before. And so I do think as an industry, they are embracing that change, but you also have to be very, very careful with that as well. Yeah, and absolutely and what I mean, I'm hearing I mean, is just that old standard of the right message through the right medium at the right time right. to mm-hmm. the right person. Let's go ahead and take a little break. And when we come back, we can talk about how sometimes bad communication can damage your company brand and some of the downsides of poor communication. Okay, well, this will give you long enough just to pause and digest some of the uh, mind-blowing stuff we're talking about here today. But uh, there's a place you can learn more of these kinds of cutting-edge concepts. It's West Virginia University's online data marketing communications program first graduate program of its kind in the country, focusing on strategic thinking, problem-solving, and informed decision-making. We're trying to do here today, get some informed decision-making data. The Data Marketing Communications Program prepares you for a career in all these exciting new fields by learning the innovative tactics from award-winning faculty like those presented here each and every week. You can learn more, DMC. For data marketing communications, dmc.wvu for West Virginia University, dot edu, dmc.wvu, dot edu. And now back to Michael and his guest. Now, I know Courtney is one who enjoys watching sports. I hope we're on the same side of the Super Bowl here. I know I'm not going to be on the same side as some of the people out on the West Coast, but I have been a Kansas City Chiefs fan for going on 55 years and just am so pleased uh, to see them back in the big game. What about you, Courtney? My team is not in the game, so (laughs) I am a Steelers fan. There's nothing wrong with that. I uh, was a big Terry Bradshaw (laughs) fan and loved to watch uh, those guys play during the years, the Chuck Knoll years, and watch them win so many championships, and that was really very heartening. One of the things I wanted to pick up on was just how poor communication can really damage your brand with the public. We have seen time and time again, especially in the environment that we live in, how easy it is for one mistake to damage your brand. We've seen it with H&M. We've seen it with Pepsi. (laughs) I mean, all it takes is one One mistake, whether it's in a commercial or written communication or an advertisement, all it takes is one mistake to damage all of the work that you've done to build your brand. And a key thing is for communicators is to write as if it will get leaked. If someone were to share it, that's fine. I wrote it like somebody would share it because screenshots and pictures live forever. Long gone are the days of companies saying, no, that's not what was said, because now there's a picture that proves the complete opposite. And that is one of the things that I definitely emphasize with my students is the fact that even if you're sending an internal email, 
just from one friend to the next that you need to write it in a very professional way. You need to use the most the best language you possibly can because you never know where your communication is going to end up and on whose desktop your great idea is going to end up. If you're not careful in the way you word it, yeah. um, you can damage your own brand. And that's mm-hmm. not a good thing. So what are some of the key things that you should really keep in mind when you're writing a communication? One, that the framing of your messaging is absolutely critical. How you frame it, whether it's internal, executive, external, the framing of your messaging is absolutely important. As well as addressing the why, both of them, the why for the company, the why for the audience. Sometimes they're the same and sometimes they're not, but you have to make sure that you address the why in writing a communication and being clear about the meaning from the perspective of your audience. For example, if you're working on a change management communication and it's a change, they're reorganizing the organization. Most executives, and even from an internal comms perspective, when they're writing it, they're talking about the change and why we're doing it and why it's important and how this better aligns. One thing they leave out, or sometimes it's at the very bottom, is what does this mean for the team members that received it? Their first question of a reorganization, everybody's first question is, do I still have a job? And they have skimmed through all of the reasons, all of your meaning, all of why we're doing this to find that out. So it's easier to put that information up front after addressing any type of change because they're searching for it, wondering what's in it for me, what's going to happen to me. Another tip would be to set clear expectations in the communications. Those expectations should should be crystal clear. And writing for the desired outcome, like what do we want people to do because they read this? What do we want people to do because they've seen this video? What do we want people to do because they've listened to this podcast? We want them to do something. What do we want them to know? How do we want them to feel reading it or feel listening to it? And not from a perspective of the person writing it, but from the perspective of the person reading it. How do we want them to feel? And what do we want them to believe? Another big thing that I've, I've always seen in internal communications is not sharing progress in a steady drumbeat. It's always like waiting for a big win or a big announcement to add an update to that, and you lose a lot because so much time has passed and you lose, you lose so much in transparency that helps in building trust when you're able to do that in a steady drumbeat as well. Well, Courtney, I know you've been doing this for a while, close to eight years now. So just kind of in sum, what are some of the key things that you've learned and things that we can share with our audience on how they can improve or excel in internal communication and executive communication? One big thing for me is to keep a very good sense of humor. (laughs) (laughs) It is a must. It is absolutely a must. And one big thing is figuring out what not to do. As communicators, we have so much thrown at us and so many different things that we have to work on, and it's a constant prioritizing, and it's, it's figuring out, okay, what not to do. Like, you have to do everything, but, I mean, what can I not do? Is always, like, a huge, huge balance. Another one is storytelling is 
to be quite honest, is a muscle I don't think we work out very often. And we all have to get better at that. I write in my spare time, not about work stuff. Just to keep exercising that muscle of writing and storytelling and telling things in a different way. And a big thing is reading your written communications out loud is a huge help. You're writing it, you're saying it in your mind. But then when you say it out loud, sometimes you're like, that doesn't really make any sense. I don't like how this sounds together. And building a really, really good, thoughtful and strategic communication, no matter what vehicle that you're using. I only wish I could talk my students into reading their submissions aloud (laughs) before they turn them in. I think the quality of the work that I receive would be much, much better. Before we go here, I need you to pull out your crystal ball here. I need you to gaze deeply into it and just tell me, where do you think, or moreover, where do you hope executive and internal communication really is going to head into the future? I see internal and executive communications within an organization working a lot closer together. I see a lot of, with my other friends in the industry that do communications for other companies, they separate themselves. They're working a lot in silos. And I see those two parts of an organization, of the comms organization, working a lot closer together because, I mean, you have a strategy that's over the entire company. And so working tighter together, continue to driving business priorities together. When you're building out your communications plan that you're factoring, executive communicators are pulling in their internal comms people so that there is like a 360 effort from internal executive and external around communications, whether it's a launch, whether it's an initiative, whether it's a merger or an acquisition, everyone working as one team, even though we support different parts of the company. Really excited to see that happen. There's just a lot of siloed activity that goes on. And at Dell, we work really, really hard to work as one team because we are better together than we are just running your comms for just your one part of the business. I absolutely see that. It's, uh, we All organizations work better when they work together and mm-hmm. people get out of their silos and gatekeepers kind of go away. Mm-hmm. And so people can really understand each other and work together. Right yeah. before we go, could you just tell us a little bit about your role at Dell? Yeah, so I lead the communications for the product group at Dell. That's the group that makes all of the cool stuff. <laughs> really, all of the cool technology. And so I support executive communications for the two leaders that lead that group, um, executive internal for them. And I work with my PR counterparts. Um, I've been with Dell for almost eight years. I've supported sales the sales organization. And when I first started, it was strictly an internal communications role. So I've, I've seen a whole lot. <laughs> well, I really want to thank Courtney Hughes today. Really enjoyed this podcast today. I hope our listeners have gotten a lot out of it. Come back next week. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to WVU Marketing Communications Today, brought to you live from West Virginia University weekly program that sits at the intersection of data-driven decision-making and marketing practice, only on the Funnel Radio Network, for at-work listeners like you.